right? So good morning and welcome again to those of you that are joining us online. Happy Memorial Day weekend. We know it's a holiday weekend and Memorial Day is really a time to remember and reflect on lives that were sacrificed for our country. And you know, like Memorial Day, we have a lot of different holidays and days that help us remember the story of what's happened in our history. Some holidays are about people who have sacrificed for our freedoms and rights and for justice. And other holidays celebrate certain like, groups of people, like Mother's Day or Father's Day. And then we also have days that remind us of our history as Christ followers, like Christmas and Easter. We can also take a look at how certain days remind us of the story of the Bible, the story of God's incredible love and rescue for us, and how our history informs our posture as followers of Jesus today. Today we're wrapping up our Empowered series and talking about Pentecost, the first personal encounter followers of Jesus had with the Holy Spirit that ultimately leads to Christianity bringing hope and healing to a world that desperately needs it. Pentecost was actually a thing before it was a thing that we know it as today. Pentecost was a Jewish festival where lots of people came to Jerusalem from all over the world to offer their first harvest and to ask God to bless the rest of their harvest season. So a bunch of people from all over different places were all together in this one place. Jesus' followers were there in Jerusalem as well. They'd seen Jesus after he rose from the dead and he told them he was going back to heaven but that he'd give them a helper. He told them to stay together and to wait. So they were waiting. And 10 days later on Pentecost, they were together in a room and they heard this crazy wind sound. They saw fire that came to rest on each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and started speaking in languages they didn't know. If we actually like imagine this scene, it seems pretty wild and intense, right? Again, today is Pentecost Sunday. The wind sound and the fire and the speaking in lots of different languages thing. So what? Why do we care? Why should we talk about Pentecost Sunday? Why does it matter? The story of Pentecost Sunday is the day the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to all of God's people. And that gift is a gigantic deal. The Holy Spirit enables us to encounter God with our senses, invite others into a personal relationship with him, and because of our own transformation, revolutionize the world. Pentecost helps us understand why the world changed when followers of Jesus received the Holy Spirit in a powerful way that caused a ragtag group of random people to ultimately become an incredible movement that fundamentally transformed the world. Something powerful happens when we gather together in the name of Jesus and expect him to show up. What Jesus' followers saw, experienced, and said is what we get to see, experience, and say today. Remembering Pentecost, knowing what happened and what changed for followers of Jesus shows us that every Sunday can be Pentecost Sunday. So let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. God, I pray this morning we would anticipate you showing up. God, I pray for however we're showing up in this moment, that each one of us would have a personal encounter of you in an unexpected and beautiful way. 
God, I pray that our lives would be changed this morning, maybe in ways we understand, maybe in ways we don't. But God, I pray that from this morning, we would continue to be a movement of people that revolutionizes the world. Empower us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, to understand what the Holy Spirit did on Pentecost and why it matters to us today, we need to understand the context of that day. So let's back up a few days. After Jesus died and rose from the dead, he was hanging out with his followers and was about to head back into heaven. His friends were getting anxious about him leaving and what they do without him, so he said this to them in Acts 1, verses 4 through 5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promise, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was very clear, don't leave, wait for a gift you've heard me talk about, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. These humans had seen and experienced incredible things by being with Jesus, watching him preach, heal, stand up to authorities, turn their ideas of right and wrong, good and bad, pride and humility completely upside down. When Jesus tells them to do something, their relationship and experiences with him have taught them that they should listen and obey. So they stayed where they were and waited. A few days later, on Pentecost, Jesus' followers had a sudden and powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. Something we can learn from Pentecost is that we experience the Holy Spirit with our senses. Acts 2, verse 2 says, Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The first word in this verse is suddenly. Even though this group of people had been waiting for 10 days, they had an unexpected encounter. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come, but he didn't hand them a manual with step-by-step instructions about what that would look like. Imagine sitting with your friends, talking about Jesus, wondering when the Holy Spirit is going to come, and then wham, loud wind sounds. A ball of fire, it's described as what looks like tongues of fire, whatever that is, and then it splits off and bits of fire rests on everyone, and somehow no one starts on fire. Then everyone starts speaking a bunch of words in different languages. Hear, see, do. The presence of the Holy Spirit engages their senses. Jesus' friends knew in their minds that Jesus had promised to send the Holy Spirit, and now they were actually experiencing the Holy Spirit. Something happens when we move from head knowledge to an actual experience. Lake Superior. You can look at pictures of it, read books on it, watch videos of it. You can know everything there is to know about the largest freshwater lake in the world. And until you've gone to the shore, watched the waves crash, dipped your foot into it, and lost all feeling in the frigid water, you haven't actually experienced Lake Superior. Those of you that laugh know what I'm talking about because you can't feel your feet, right? (laughs) So many of us have had a powerful experience with Lake Superior, haven't we? I was talking to someone earlier this week who said she moved away and came back because the lake just kept calling her. Something real happens when what we know becomes what we feel, smell, taste, see, and hear. The Holy Spirit isn't a concept we're supposed to learn or a theory we consider. It's a personal and intimate encounter with the living God. 
The first time that I can remember experiencing the Holy Spirit, I was about 19 years old and I lived in Ohio and I was at a young adults conference and it was ministry time and I can't tell you what the ministry call was, but whatever it was, I had my hand in the air and as I raised my hand up in the air, I felt my entire body like having these waves of chills. It was probably like 85 degrees because it was Ohio in the middle of the summer, but I wasn't cold. I had chills, but I wasn't cold. So these not chilly chills were telling me something. And as I was experiencing that, at the same time, I felt like what I can only describe as like being injected. Women, any of you that have like given birth to a kid and have felt injected with an epidural, that's what it kind of felt like, was like I was being injected with love and peace. I don't know what happened beyond that? I know at some point someone came over and put their hand on my shoulder and prayed for me. I don't know what they prayed, but what I do know is I had a powerful and personal encounter that I will never forget for the rest of my life. Experiencing the Holy Spirit can be powerful. And it's not all rainbows and unicorns, friends. These Jesus nerves have an incredible encounter and people respond in different ways. Acts 2, verses 5 through 13. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they said to one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. (laughs) Amazed and perplexed. It wasn't just like everyone saw and said, wow, this has to be God. Some people were like, hey, I've seen people act like this before. This obviously has an explanation. They must be drunk. We look for logical explanations to the experience of the Holy Spirit. Encountering the Holy Spirit means we might look or act weird, which is a word I hate, by the way. Who decides what weird is? Maybe it's not weird, but it's just that it can't be explained by our rational, natural minds. And that can make us uncomfortable. Have you felt filled with unexpected joy or peace or love when it didn't make sense? I was talking with someone earlier this week who described seeing a flower and being so overcome with its beauty that he started crying. Have you ever been in worship and been moved to tears or had chills and said, it must just be kind of chilly in here? Guys, that's the Holy Spirit. We don't need to apologize for those moments. We're so uncomfortable with tears, aren't we? I want to challenge us to become more comfortable with our own tears and the tears of others and consider that those unexpected tears, those unexpected moments where we're overwhelmed by the majesty of Lake Superior might actually be the experience of the Holy Spirit. Some of us experience the Holy Spirit in this way on a regular basis. If that's you, speak up and speak out, friends. We learn from those who have gone before us. Those who have had powerful encounters with the Holy Spirit can teach us how to be on the outlook ourselves. Let's consider being ready for sudden interruptions. Let's invite God to interrupt our lives and ignite our senses. And let's talk about that experience. 
Pentecost was when followers of Jesus got to experience the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in a personal and miraculous way. And that experience leads to action. The Holy Spirit empowers us to share the good news of Jesus. Here's what Jesus said about the impact of the Holy Spirit coming into the lives of his followers in Acts 1 verse 8. Here's what Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And here they are, a few days later, sharing the gospel in Jerusalem in different languages to people from all over the ends of the earth. Remember, Pentecost was a festival of first fruits, but now a new kind of harvest was beginning. The day of Pentecost foreshadows what will happen as the good news of Jesus blows up throughout the Roman world over the next couple hundred years. So as this is happening, Peter gets up, tells the crowd that these humans aren't actually drunk, but they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he preaches the gospel message and what happens. Acts 2 verse 41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about three thousand were added to their number that day. An encounter with the Holy Spirit moves Peter to share the good news about Jesus. Here's what it means to share the good news about Jesus. Charles Spurgeon said this about sharing the good news. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Peter, he was a fisherman. And let's be clear about this. This means he was tough, rough around the edges, and probably swore a lot. He was always putting his foot in his mouth. Jesus even called him Satan one time. He talked out of both sides of his mouth. He said he'd die for Jesus, and then on the day that Jesus actually died, he denied him three times. Peter is a beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Peter isn't better or worse than any of us. If Peter and his underqualified resume can share the good news about Jesus, we can too. We don't have to have a sermon prepared and written down and when the moment hints, pull it up and go for it. Peter didn't spend hours and hours and days and days preparing this message. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, he got up and he preached his first ever sermon. Which, like, as a pastor who intentionally, like, spends time and think about what I am going to say, I actually find annoying. Like, even for what I'm talking to you about today, right? I prepare. I read the Bible and commentaries. I listen to podcasts and look at what other pastors have written about this topic. And while doing those things aren't bad, it's actually really good, so I don't tell you guys a bunch of ridiculous things about how I interpret the Bible myself, That's not the only way God works in spreading his message of love, acceptance, and care to the world. Peter gets up, says a few things, and 3,000 people come to Christ. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and does what he's empowered to do. It's not about Peter. It's not about me getting up here and saying the things that I've written down to say. God is doing it, and the results are up to him. I wonder how many of us are held back because we don't know what to say. We don't want to mess it up or screw up someone's chance to encounter God, so we just don't say anything. Nothing is better than the wrong thing, right? 
Or we think it's too personal. We want to keep our religion to ourselves. We don't want to, we think we don't know enough about the Bible. We over-spiritualize it because God hasn't actually said we should talk about it. Or it's a taboo thing that we don't talk about because it'll cause a fight at the Thanksgiving table with Uncle Bob like it does every single year. When was the last time you shared the story of Jesus with someone? Have you ever felt so filled with the Holy Spirit that you couldn't help but talk about God's amazing love? If not, what's holding us back? For some of us, this maybe feels like Holy Spirit 101, and maybe you're wondering, where's the masterclass stuff? We've all experienced some of this maybe, and we want more. What if it's your chance to offer your knowledge and experience to a younger generation? What if you are the teacher of a masterclass? As I've been praying for our time together this week, I think there is something God wants to offer our younger generations from those of us who have been around the vineyard for a while. I want to invite us to teach someone, to bring someone with us into this experience. Ephesians 4.12, train and equip the saints might be your invitation. The Holy Spirit shows up. They encounter him. They share about him. What if this first experience of the Holy Spirit is actually deeper and more personal than we'd imagine? Each of us, as we encounter the Holy Spirit, as we share the story of the gospel, are being transformed. And that transformation can revolutionize the world. Prior to Pentecost, people would experience God in a place. In the Old Testament, it might be on a mountain like Moses did on Mount Sinai, in a tabernacle or a tent or the Ark of the Covenant or in a temple. There were priests who had to wear certain things, bathe in a certain way, and offer specific sacrifices of animals to even approach God's presence. Because of our sin and brokenness, we humans couldn't be around the perfect presence of God. We need to go back even further to the very beginning of the Bible to make sense of this. God made the world. He made animals, grass, land, sun, stars, moon, mosquitoes. He made everything. I am not convinced he actually made mosquitoes, but that's a decision for another time. He made us. He made people to be friends with him. He made rules so we wouldn't hurt ourselves. Think of like a speed limit sign or guardrails when you're on a go-kart track. (laughs) Have you ever banged into those guardrails when you're go-karting? It's chaotic and fantastic and ensures you stay on track and don't end up in the pool filled with animals that you get to feed when you're done on the racetrack. Guardrails, they're important. When we don't obey God and live in the way he's invited us to live, that's sin. And that keeps us away from a friendship and relationship with God. Because God is perfect and hasn't done anything wrong, he's holy. We're too stuck in our sin to have a relationship with God, and yet God wants to have a relationship with us. Even when we try to do good things and try to make up for it, it'll never be enough. So God, in his huge love for us, sent Jesus to live a perfect life the way only God's son could, to rescue us from our sin. Jesus told people how much God loves them and wants to have a relationship with them. Jesus taught people to be kind to care for the sick and needy, to recognize our own, need, our own deep need for healing. Jesus was holy the way God himself is holy. While many lives were changed, there were lots of powerful people and religious leaders who didn't like what Jesus was doing and decided to crucify him on a cross. Jesus told people that God loved them so much that he sent 
Jesus, that he sent himself to die for them. God made a way for us to access him personally by sending Jesus to be our ultimate atonement, which is really a word that means he sent Jesus to reconcile and repair our relationship with him. And because of that, we get to have a personal interaction with God through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Because of what Jesus did, God now lives in those of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus. Each of us are now like little individual temples. We don't have to go to a place or wear certain things and sacrifice certain animals and bathe a certain way to meet Jesus. You don't actually even have to come here to the vineyard to have a powerful experience with Jesus. Am I right, online friends? Some of us think we have to show up a certain way for God, put on our quote-unquote Sunday best and offer this best version of ourselves, either when we're in a building like this or maybe at a small group or when we're around people we know from church. Those who choose to trust and follow Jesus have the same helper who came in wind and fire on the day of Pentecost, living inside and helping each of us. And that changes everything. That transforms us and from that transforms the world. Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York City, says this. The way you know that the Spirit of God has come down upon you is not that you now just have lots of wonderful feelings, but you change your whole attitude towards your money, towards yourself, towards your identity, towards your culture, and you were sent out into the world in humble service to people who before you never would have had anything, people before who you never would have had anything to do with. We think Jesus came to bring us to heaven one day. We think Jesus went back up into the clouds to his heavenly penthouse and was like, see you later, disciple friends. One day, as long as you make really good choices and confess your sins and do all the right things, one day you'll be here with me, so just keep checking your sundial and be on the lookout for when I come back. What we experience with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit is heaven on earth here and now. We don't earn this by cleaning ourselves up, by trying harder to do good things and acting the best we can when we think people are watching us. We think we need to do the right things to earn our way into heaven one day. The Holy Spirit brings heaven to us. It's not about us trying to get into heaven one day. The Holy Spirit's presence is about getting heaven into us right now. I love this quote from the Bible Project. People will meet with God not in a geographic place or constructed space, but in connection with those who choose to trust and follow Jesus. God's fire shines with power and harms nobody, and it ignites a cosmic revolution, the church. The story tells us that God now dwells within the community of Jesus' followers. The living temple is made of people who operate like Jesus, ending fear and oppression with love and peacefully teaching humanity how to love and bless one another. In this sense, Pentecost marks the beginning of a new world. Jesus even tells us that our transformation will transform the world. John 14, verses 12 through 14, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever. The world wouldn't just be falling apart around us. 
Your transformation, my transformation is what the world needs. What if our complaints could actually lead to revolution? What if, instead of looking down our noses on the world around us, we opened up our hands, repented for our judgment, and invited God to do his transformational work in and through us? Looking back at the story of Pentecost, these followers of Jesus began speaking in a bunch of different languages and hinting at what God's power is going to do. It's going to reach the nations. And sometimes he uses the most unexpected people. A few years back, right before the pandemic, I was at a kids' pastors' conference back in Ohio. It's funny, I have all these Holy Spirit encounters in Ohio. And it was at the very end of the last session, and they told us as we were getting ready for ministry time that they had a kids' team who were prophetically praying over us for this session. And even as they like said those words, I immediately started crying, right? I'm a kid's pastor. The fact that, wait, what? You're bringing kids to do this? And so as I'm waiting, as we're all just kind of in a posture of like waiting to see what God's up to, I feel someone kind of tug on my sleeve and I look over and this girl, she had brown hair. If I had to guess, she couldn't have been more than seven years old. She handed me this picture. It was on blue construction paper. It had a yellow sun in the sky. It had like a cloud. It had grass and it had a picture of someone. And she said, this is you dancing with Jesus. And you guys, I was undone. (laughs) I was undone to the point where this poor girl looked so alarmed at what was happening. I had to say, no, it's okay. Kids can hear from God, you guys. He can use anyone, no matter how old or young, how much you swear or don't swear, whether you believe in Jesus or not. And one of my most powerful encounters with God's presence was when a small girl drew a picture God inspired her to draw and handed it to me. I've experienced joy and freedom from that, and I know it isn't about me. It's about a deep transformational work of the Holy Spirit and a seven-year-old girl taking a chance and practicing hearing God's voice. It really is for all of us. Why should we care about Pentecost? When followers of Jesus received the Holy Spirit for the very first time, they had a personal encounter with the God of all creation and their transformation revolutionized the world in the name of Jesus. I want to end with this clip from the movie Jesus Revolution. If you haven't seen it yet, I'd encourage you to check it out. It's the story of the Jesus movement in the late 1960s. I wanted to share this clip with you because there is something powerful here that I think God is inviting us into as we head into ministry time this morning. This clip that I'm going to show you is during a church service where Lonnie Frisbee, who Lonnie Frisbee is actually someone who helped John Wimber start the Vineyard Movement, He's preaching, and he's interrupted by the Holy Spirit. So I want us to watch what happens together. So, bring it all full circle back to Jonah. Are the storms in your life raging? Do the drugs no longer quiet the storms? When Jonah stopped running from God, the raging stopped. Return to God. Stop running. And when you do, the raging in your life will just stop. 
like it did mine. Someone here is in pain. I see you. You've suffered a long time, haven't you? Is it drugs? And you've tried so many times to stop. But it has its grip on you. Sometimes you think the only answer is to end it all. You even thought about ending it tonight before you came here. How could you know that? Stand up with me, dear. Stand up. I spent a real long time in the gutter with my own addictions. since you were born. God knows you're suffering. And you are you. You. The people of the Jesus movement were hungry. They were on the lookout. Friends, I wonder if we're hungry and on the lookout too. Something powerful happens when we gather together in the name of Jesus and expect him to show up. What Jesus' followers on Pentecost saw, experienced, and said is what we get to see, experience, and say today. So let's see what the Holy Spirit is up to this morning and maybe how he wants to interrupt us today. So we're going to head into something that we call ministry time. And for those of you that have maybe been here before, you maybe have kind of an idea of what it looks like. It's going to look a tiny bit different this morning. I actually have a team of people that I'm going to invite up. And we're just really going to see what the Holy Spirit is up to. I've asked some people this week as things have been on my mind and heart and really seeing God stirring, how he maybe is inviting us to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So as these ladies make their way up, we have Steph and Tatiana. We're just going to take a moment and see, as they've been praying for us, what God maybe has on their heart. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to invite you to stand up. And maybe even, like, if you're open to it, just holding out your hands like this. That really just is a posture of saying, I am choosing to say, what if God wants to interrupt me today? What if the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit wants to show up either in a new way for me or in a way maybe we've never experienced before? Uh, yeah, and so actually right, right now, I, I just feel like there's an invitation to wait, actually. Uh, God has been speaking to me a lot about waiting on his presence to come, and so I think that's just where we should start this morning. Hmm. And I feel like there is, um, 
maybe some fear beginning to creep in for some people this morning. You're like, I don't know how I feel about this. And so we just say, fear, go. Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, would you come? And as we wait on your presence, Holy Spirit, there are a few things that I feel like God is up to this morning. Um, We've had a a handful of people praying, and they've been bringing me little notes or texts. And um, some of the things that we feel like God wants to do this morning is uh, do some healing work, some physical healing work. Um, If you have pain in your spine or if you have, like, disc pain or scoliosis, Um, We feel like there's an invitation for healing over depression Hmm. and anxiety. A few people got the word anxiety this morning, that God wants to release the anxiety that you have been experiencing. Can I interrupt you real quick, Steph? If any of these are you, can I invite you to go ahead and start coming forward? We'll have the ministries team come around, but just if any of these things, as we have different requests resonate, we just want to invite you to start coming forward. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, somebody else shared that they felt like God was saying that someone was raised in the foster care system and because of their experiences in foster care, they don't actually feel like God loves them. And so God wants to change that for you this morning. Um, he also wants to break off suicide and self-harm. It's not limited to, but specifically for teens or young adults, if you are experiencing self-harm or suicidal thoughts. God wants to bring hope and restoration to you in your heart and your mind. Um, If you're experiencing pain over uh, past disappointments, God wants to replace those with his love this morning. And then prayer for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning, and you're hearing this Holy Spirit stuff, and you're like, I want that. Hmm. I want my life to look different because the Holy Spirit is in my life, that God is doing things every single day, everywhere I show up. You can have that. The Holy Spirit can come and meet you this morning. And so if that's you and you want the filling of the Holy Spirit, we would love to pray for, for you that, this morning to get that. You want to share anything? I just felt even for um, there's children and teens in the room who... Um, hear and see and feel and are getting dreams from God. And so um, that was my story this morning is that God really wants to continue to fill the children (laughs) of this church and the young people in this room because there is a Jesus revolution. It is not a mistake that Becca shared that clip because that's what God keeps telling me is that there is a Jesus revolution coming of the young people in Duluth, Minnesota, and it's going to start here. And so I just pray for every child um, in this room, God, that you will just cover them with the Holy Spirit. And if there's, um, as the ministry team comes up, if you have a child who you know sees and hears and feels, come get prayer with them. I just actually want to extend that even wider. Um, I actually think if you were a kid, 18 and under, we want to pray for you. As we shared this morning, there is something powerful that happens as we as older generations empower and pray for kids in the name of Jesus. Guys, it has been really hard for kids. This pandemic has been no joke. The words Steph just had about suicide and self-harm and depression and anxiety, these are real things kids are dealing with on a regular basis. 
This is not an accident. So if you are a kid, if you're here with a grown-up, please come forward. We would love to pray for you this morning. So as the worship team starts to play, if you're part of the prayer ministry team, we would love to invite you to start coming up and praying too. Also, I, I don't know who's going to come up, but if for whatever reason you feel like God's putting it on your heart to pray for someone, pray for them. You might say, I'm not part of the prayer ministry team. That's okay. It can be really, really simple to pray for someone. You say, Holy Spirit, come. You listen. You pray positive things. And then you check in to see what happened. It can be really, really simple. So I think there's an invitation for us to have an empower, a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. So I do. If any of those words resonate with you, please come forward. And I just want to pray for us one more time quickly as we head into ministry time. Holy Spirit, come. God, we thank you for the story of Pentecost. We thank you what for what happened that day and the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit that you gave each one of us. Would you interrupt us right now? Would you show us how you are giving us a piece of heaven today, here and now? Would you bring healing? Would you empower? Would you give gifts of the Holy Spirit? God, would you come and would you have your way this morning?